Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Because it's a dog's life with pet and cannabis expert Angela Ardolino. Learn the best holistic practices from top pet industry professionals and listen in on why CBD might be a whole different animal for your best in show buddy. Here's your new best friend about pets, Angela Ardolino. Hey everybody, it's A Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, and today I'm joined with another fantastic holistic vet, Dr. Erica Halla. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you doing? Very good. I, um, I loved reading your bio because you said something in your bio that makes that would make me think that this is what most vets would think when they entered vet school um, because the majority of vets are getting into being, being a vet because they love animals and they want to help them. And you mentioned in your bio on your website that I think it was your first year and you were like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't what I want to do. This doesn't seem like it's up my alley at all. Um, and then you got lucky and you met somebody who showed you something else. Um, I want you to tell that story because I hear it all the time. But before I started interviewing vets or talking to vets, I'd never heard this before. So I, I think it's really important for um, most of our listeners are pet parents. We do have a lot of vets. I'm sure I have a lot of people who are younger people who are interested in being a vet. But tell that story and, um, and how you ended up becoming a holistic vet instead of a conventional vet. Absolutely. I, I really love telling this story, actually. Um, I tell people a lot that I am the vet who almost wasn't. Um, I, I went to technician school from my undergraduate degree, from my pre-vet. So I'd already learned a lot of, you know, basic anatomy and physiology and things like that which is what the first year of vet school is. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of time where I was just kind of sitting in class and pondering my future with a fair amount of drama, I might add. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here in school. It's about halfway through the first year. And I just reached this point where I'm like, wow, this is really boring. <laughs> you know, I've done all of this before so far. And I, what am I, what am I going through this for? What's the end goal? And I thought back to all the experiences I'd had in clinics and I thought, oh, the end goal is I'm going to be vaccinating all my healthy patients and giving antibiotics or steroids or prescription diets, which I don't mention on my, my bio on the page, to all my unhealthy patients. And that sounds even more boring than what I'm doing right now. And I certainly do not think I can do that for the rest of my life. So I, I had a few months, actually, I think, where I was really pondering quitting and thinking about all the time and money I'd invested so far and the, the motivations I'd had for even getting into vet school in the first place. Um, and fortunately, I had a colleague who was really into um, agility and canine sports medicine. And she um, was going to do the path of taking acupuncture training, chiropractic training, so that she could do sports medicine for her dogs. Um, which was like a totally new thing. I hadn't even ever considered that. And that isn't what I wanted to do. But she reintroduced me to alternative medicine and complementary medicine. And because of that, I realized that, okay, if I can just suffer through another three and a half years of vet school, I can get these other trainings. And then I can actually be a healer. I can actually do things that, that support health in my well patients 
and that help bring the system back into balance in my ill patients. Um, and when I really started looking into Chinese medicine in particular, I saw how this was uh, a very complex, uh, essentially the art of medicine kind of a system where there is no one right answer. You know, uh, people always want to ask me, you know, what do I do for allergies or, or whatever? And my favorite answer is the answer I was taught by my, my Chinese medicine teacher, which is, it depends. You know, there are always a bunch of factors, both individual to the patients, to the family, the history, all of that. And that, that really changes what the answer is in a lot of cases. So that kind of individuality, flexibility, and variation is what makes me love this and what makes it so I don't get bored of it. And I know that I'm actually helping my patients. You know, I'm not just suppressing symptoms like we do with steroids in particular. Uh, we're actually fixing the imbalance so that they can feel better. Oh, that was so beautifully said. And I mean, it's, it, we don't, we didn't even think about this, but it is so true. You know, every time we go to a doctor um, or our vet, our conventional doctor or vet, we aren't told, um, you know, okay, I don't know, high blood pressure, maybe they can say diet and things like that, but they don't, they don't necessarily do anything but hand us a prescription drug. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually how I discovered cannabis medicine. And I'm sure my listeners are probably always wondering why I'm bringing on these holistic vets that do Chinese medicine. Well, as I said before, Chinese medicine is when cannabis was first used and discovered and was removed. And now we're trying to get it. I'm trying to get it back in <laughs> because <laughs> it is just like all of these other wonderful herbs and plants does amazing things and it heals without causing damage. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine how many times I'm asked, well, how much do I give for this? Or right. my dog is, and I, constantly saying it depends on every single animal we just actually found the most beautiful line that we that we've written out and we've adopted that it's like it depends on every single dog's age breed endocannabinoid deficiency diet so we love this because chinese medicine is always saying that i can't just tell you to take one dropper and it's going to get rid of your allergies mm -hmm. or whatever it is because everybody is so different what I love is that you also incorporate food therapy and you incorporate, is it Chinese food therapy? Did yes. I read that right? What is that? Like, I don't, I mean, I know about the, the heating and the cooling proteins and vegetables. Is that, is that kind of what the idea is? Basically. Yeah. So, so because I'm an integrative practitioner, I take some Western nutritional understanding into the picture as well. But I'm, I'm actually not a huge fan of reductionist Western nutrition, as I call it, where we're mostly focused on the numbers and getting the numbers right, because that, you know, is, is sometimes not even accurate anymore anyway, uh, based on what our food and food supply is doing at the moment. Uh, but basically, Chinese food medicine is using food the same way we use Chinese herbs. So when we're diagnosing someone to decide on an herbal prescription, um, we're looking at their condition. Is it hot or cold? Is there stagnation? Is there deficiency? What kind of deficiency? Um, and once we have the diagnosis, say I have someone who's got toxic heat with an underlying blood deficiency, then I'm going to look at the foods energetically. And we're going to choose cooling foods to get rid of that symptom of heat, which can be things like um, 
inflamed skin is probably one of the most common toxic heat symptoms that I see, mm-hmm. um, or it could be a joint problem or any other inflammatory problem. And then we also want to pick foods that are going to tonify the blood deficiency. And if they do both at the same time, that's great. But otherwise, you know, that's why we have recipes. So we can put several foods together and address the whole problem with the food. Um, I usually, depending on the patients and their sensitivities, I usually also do herbs. But I've found that if I can get people to do the food and the herbs together, we get much faster, much better results. Um, And a big part of this, you know, part of it is the ingredients all have their own inherent energies. But the other part is that how you prepare those ingredients really can change the energy. So, you know, if we're looking at, say, beef and sweet potatoes, just to keep it really simple, a beef and sweet potato diet that is a home cooked diet is going to be very different than a limited ingredient beef and sweet potato kibble, even though in theory, the beef and the sweet potato are the same. The processing is so different that even if you're getting the highest quality, you know, best company that you know is sourcing good meat and all of that, the processing to make it a kibble really changes the energy. It makes it very hot and dry. Even if the ingredients you were picking were cooling ingredients, now they're warmer than they otherwise would have been. So, so that's a big part of it really is at the simplest level, getting people away from processed food as much as possible, but then also trying to be uh, selective with our ingredients so that they fit the diagnosis to try and bring the system back to balance. I think that's one of the reasons I'm so attracted to Chinese medicine. Well, A, because, you know, Chinese medicine is the ones that used cannabis medicine first, but the uh, concept of using whole plants and whole foods to heal Mm -hmm. right up my alley. So we have all of these other wonderful herbs and cannabis just happens to be another one of those amazing herbs. And just like how we process our product or, you know, answers, for instance, pet food, who Billy, I'm good friends with Billy, the science, the nutrition science director there, everything that we do when manufacturing our products is with the least processing, mm-hmm. even the way we move it, even the mm-hmm. way it's stored, even on his end, uh, well, on my end too, how the plants are treated, <laughs> yes. how the animals so are treated. All of it is so important. And, you know, I know sometimes we may sound hokey because we're talking about energies, but it really is, you know, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference if something is uh, cooked at really high heat and then added in mm-hmm. preservatives to keep it a certain way and then sits on a shelf or sits in a hot truck and then sits on a shelf. So all of these things to me go hand in hand. It's all about whole, fresh plant food medicine. And um, I love that. I didn't think I knew what it was called, but now I do. And it makes sense. Um, And I love how many people are starting to understand that, whether they're getting that way with their own health, starting with their own health, or they're starting through their pet and then, oh, wait, if they're going to eat better, I'm going to eat better. I love the whole concept of us all eating the same. You know, I know Mm -hmm. there's some things that we can't do, but getting rid of that whole concept of that it is so complicated to feed our pets. Well, we have to feed our families. They're just another part of our family. And I think that that was, that was basically done with marketing and advertising from these big food companies, making us think it was difficult. And if you want to take care of it and you're going to take care of them and get everything they need, pour this kibble in a bowl. And we, we have found that that is not the case at all. 
Um, I know that leaky gut is something that is kind of your specialty and something that you would like to talk about. I know people get so confused about it. Um, I think that the most confusing thing about it is the fact that um, it's something that we can cause when we're trying to help. Um, mm-hmm. you know, giving too many probiotics or prebiotics or digestive enzymes and that we ourselves, when we're trying to help the microbiome, we're actually messing it up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. we're going to, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about, explain what leaky gut is and um, kind of how I would think that a lot of dogs are suffering from it and we don't even know it. Um, yeah. So when we, we'll come right back and we'll talk about that. Okay. It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots and close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. All right, we're back and we're here with Dr. Erica. We're talking about leaky gut. What the heck is leaky gut? So leaky gut is one of these medical things that's a little bit hard to pin down because it's really more of a a syndrome than a disease, which is kind of a strange um, distinction. But essentially with a syndrome, we don't always know necessarily what is causing it and or it can be caused by dozens of different things, which with leaky gut, that is the case. We don't always know in an individual case, and it can be caused by all manner of things, really anything that causes inflammation in the gut, even if that inflammation started somewhere else in the body and wasn't primarily gut related in the beginning. Um, So the the name leaky gut is really just describing what it is that happens. In our guts, we have these endothelial cells, the cells that line the gut. And there are supposed to be very tight seals in between each one of these cells so that the only things that can cross from the gut, which is technically outside of the body, into the bloodstream, into what is the inside of the body, are things that have been processed to small enough pieces that they're, they're okay to go, like amino acids rather than proteins, lipids rather than you know, full fats, um, simple carbohydrates, glucose rather than complex carbohydrates. So what happens with leaky gut is that these, these junctions, they break down. They're, they're technically, they're called tight junctions because they're supposed to be tight enough that nothing can cross them. In leaky gut, they get kind of swollen, they start to break down a little bit, and now we have these these gaps basically between the cells. And now large molecules that are not supposed to come into our bodies can. So when you have leaky gut, it kind of doesn't matter what you eat. 
you know, whether you're allergic to it or not, you're almost 100% going to end up sensitive to it because say you're eating kangaroo, you know, something that is a novel protein, it's very unlikely you have an allergy to it. But when you eat it, now big pieces of kangaroo protein are going across your gut instead of just little amino acids. So now when they come across, your body starts recognizing them as not self. You know, this is a kangaroo protein, not a dog protein. And then you start having an inflammatory reaction to, in this case, the kangaroo. When really, if we fix the gut, the kangaroo itself is not the problem. The problem is that the gut is not functioning properly. And so this is a challenge because obviously we have to feed these pets while we're trying to treat the leaky gut. And the key to treating the leaky gut is getting the inflammation reduced so that the swelling will go down and these junctions can be tight again. Um, so it can be quite complex. And again, you know, how we treat it always depends on the patient and what exactly is going on with them. But my favorite kind of um, instant help sort of method is actually to use bone broth collagen. And I haven't done much experimenting myself with hydrolyzed collagen, you know, the, the powdered stuff you can buy in the health food store. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that would work because it's been broken down. And what we're looking for with the bone broth are these big pieces of collagen that come in and act essentially like a bandage and they cover up these holes so that they prevent anything from getting through. Um, and that way we can still feed them. They can still eat, but we get fewer of those proteins or ideally none of them across the barrier while we're working on generally getting the system to, to calm down, to not have as much dampness And Chinese medicine is usually a big part of this mm -hmm. um, so that those tight junctions will heal. And then we don't have to worry about that anymore. Do you find that it's good to um, give the dog's gut a break and do whether it's a fast or a bone broth fast, does, is that good for them, especially if you have a dog that's, and how do you know that they're having leaky gut because they're having some sort of inflammation? Do they have diarrhea? Do they throw up? Mm -hmm. um, like what happens? Um, it, I know it's, pro I, I mean, I do know what happens, but I'd love for you to explain, is it something that's ongoing and nothing works? How do you know that your dog that is usually the case. You have some kind of symptoms that, that appear to be food allergies, whether that's a digestive symptom like vomiting and diarrhea, or in a lot of cases, their digestion is working okay, but we just see this massive inflammation everywhere. You know, their, their skin is inflamed. Um, I had a very wise teacher once who said, the way you look on the outside is how you look on the inside, meaning that the quality of your skin reflects the quality of your guts. So if your skin is very inflamed, then it's very likely your guts are too. And now based on what we know about that, it's very likely you have leaky guts. In fact, I would say that, that skin symptoms are the number one symptom I see with leaky gut in dogs anyway. Um, and it's and, probably what people are, uh, ex uh, you know, complaining about or trying to yes. all the time. Um, so I totally get that and see it all the time also. And it is, it's one of the most complicated things because we're going, even when I switched my dogs to a raw or fresh diet, I still was giving them mm -hmm. the probiotics and prebiotics and all of these other things when I really didn't need it anymore because I was giving it to them in a natural, they were getting it naturally in their food, herbs or plants that I was giving them. So I actually was contributing to give them too much. I know that I've heard this. How do how is giving your dog too many probiotics contribute to a uh, leaky gut? Well, part of the challenge with leaky gut is 
because these larger things can cross the gut, it's not just the, the macro molecules that we're eating, you know, proteins, carbohydrates, fats, it's anything that's in the gut. And that includes the, the biome. Um, the normal gut flora can cross and get into the bloodstream. And then of course, if you are adding more probiotics, if they're good quality, viable probiotics, they'll end up working against you because again, they also will cross into the bloodstream and, you know, good bacteria or not, they're supposed to be in the gut, not in the bloodstream. Once they're in the bloodstream, that's, that's a problem. And then it's a problem that your liver has to work on. And there's just more inflammation that's created by that. And an excess work created for a system that is already overburdened. Um, and so if someone is suffering, it, they're pretty sure that they have um, a leaky gut. It's not necessarily that go and switch the diet is we have to repair the, mm -hmm. the leak. Um, yeah. So doing a, adding a bone broth, is there a certain kind of bone, bone broth that you like over another one? Are there other plants or there other herbs? How do they know? Like, how do you, they get the diagnosis of leaky gut? Cause I'm, I can, yeah. I, I know for sure that most people who will be like, Oh yeah, I think that's what my dog has. And then goes to their conventional vet. They're going to go, what? Right. <laughs> yes. I don't know what you're talking about. Take yeah. this, take this uh, what's the one, the Metro one. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, Metronidazole. Here you oh, go. Perfect. I, I don't even want to bother memorizing its name because it, yeah. it bothers me so much how it just completely destroys their microbiome and they go backwards. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. We're constantly saying, you know, don't run and give your dog um, something when it's got a bout of diarrhea that is going to make things even worse. We want to try to get their mm -hmm. body back into homeostasis where they can fix themselves if they can. Um, so how do they know? Like if we're suspecting right now that someone has leaky gut, what do you do? What should they do first? It's pretty tricky uh, because we don't, it, again, it's not a disease, it's a syndrome. So we don't have a right. test for it, which, you know, if you don't have a test for it, then it's really hard sometimes to convince conventional doctors that the thing even exists. Um, and even once you can do that, they don't have a pill that they can give you to solve it. So they don't, they don't want to think about it is what mostly happens there. Um, it is really because the things we do to treat leaky gut are all health supportive, regardless of who you are and, and what it is that's going on with you. It's really never wrong to just do a little experiment and see if doing a leaky gut kind of a therapy helps. Um, and like I said, my favorite is bone broth. And I work a lot with cats, so I'm really cautious about recommending fasts, but a, a bone broth fast or um, something like that can be very, very helpful. And, and it does, the, I don't have a super preference as far as one kind versus another. I do like it to be organic because we are talking about the bones, which have been with the animals their whole lives and things can get stored there if they've been exposed particularly to heavy metals. Um, so organic is great. And then it needs to really be bone broth, not just broth. It has to be that kind of gelatinous, um, collagen rich broth. And this is something you can easily make at home also. Absolutely. Yes. You can certainly buy it. You know, I have lots of clients that don't want to make it. And then I recommend that they go check out, um, answers. Usually answers now has a Turkey and a fish, uh, bone broth. So those are really great options with two different proteins. If you know you have an allergy, you maybe can 
find one of the two that will work. Mm -hmm. But if you need to do something more exotic, like emu or kangaroo or whatever, if you can source the bones, you can make the bone broth. It just takes the bones and a little bit of apple cider vinegar and some thyme with heat. Um, You can make it fancier than that, but that's really the basics that are needed to make a good bone broth. Ooh, so I love I love the incorporating easy. the apple cider vinegar. Yes, that's actually really key to get the minerals and the collagen out of the bones. If you don't use the apple cider vinegar, your chances of getting a good gelatinous bone broth are pretty slim. I think it can still be done if you get the right kind of bones, you know, enough joints and connective tissue, but it's much more challenging. But just a splash of apple cider vinegar and that makes it much more likely to be successful. Awesome. And how long should they give it to her? I mean, I, I get, I always tell everybody that my bone broth and my goat's milk or my cow kefir are uh, like my dog's desserts at night, like bedtime snacks, mm-hmm. you know, before they go to bed. Um, and they love it. And it's really funny because at first when you give them a liquid, they're like, what, what am I supposed to do? And usually they'll try it and then they can't stop because it's so yummy. Um, is that what is you do they incorporate it in their food or do you give it to them separately yeah so when we're using it for leaky gut you know there's lots of things we can use bone broth for but specifically for leaky gut we do need to give it apart from food and so what i recommend when we're we're treating someone who we really strongly suspect has leaky gut is that we do a certain amount of bone broth uh, for a 50 pound dog i usually recommend like a quarter to a half a cup and 30 minutes at least before food, because we want it to get through the stomach into the intestines and band-aiding up all of those holes, basically, before we put the food in the system. I love that concept. So that it just kind of lubes up everything so that nothing goes through. I love that. That is a great way of using it. All right, we have to take one more break and we'll be right back and we'll talk a little bit more about this. It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. All right, we are back, and this is Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I'm talking to Dr. Erica Halla. Halla, did I say it right? Yeah, you got it. Yay! And um, I love it because you've even, you've written a little book basically on feeding, and I, you mentioned it before of how different dogs and cats are, um, and we were talking about fasting, which is something that dogs do, but cats don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so your experiences in cats. And I know one of the, the biggest lesson I learned when I started doing this podcast is that um, cats absolutely need a fresh or raw diet. Kibble yes. is um, not only a death sentence, but a long disease sentence mm-hmm. of just nonstop issues. So we don't want to fast your cat but um, we, they definitely suffer from this also. And this is something that we 
that they'll do the same thing. They have a, they'll lick, they'll drink the bone broth. Typically. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we have to get a little creative with cats. That's part of why I love working with cats so much. Again, it's really hard to get bored when you're working with cats. (laughs) They all need you to do something a little differently. Um, So I've had a few where we've had to syringe it because for cats, the volume that we need to do this is pretty small. So, and it's obviously not an unpleasant flavored thing for them to, to drink. I have also, I have also syringed dogs, um, Mm -hmm. older dogs. I've also syringed apple cider vinegar into them because sneaking it into their water or food, some (laughs) of them smell it and they're like, nope, not touching it. So I do want everyone to know that I, and I have, I might have a rescue and I have nine dogs here. So I've got the dogs that will eat and drink anything that I hand to them. And then I have the others that are old that I might have to wait till they're asleep or it takes three of us or whatever, but I don't want everyone to think that you put down a bowl of broth and the dog that needs it the most is probably going to be the dog that drinks it last. Yeah. Often. I know cats and I hear people say it all the time. Well, I can't get this in their mouth or I can't, you know, do it. Well, if they really need to, we got to figure it out. And, exactly. you know, yep. either you have to condition them to doing it and, you know, people think it won't get better, but it will. I have a, yes. you know, a 15 year old Shih Tzu that I've got to get, you know, two full droppers a day of our full spectrum in her. And in the beginning she fought so hard and now she takes it and whether she's figured it out, it's, the thing that makes me feel so good or she just got used to it. I don't know, but yeah, I want people to understand that they may not drink it. So if it, if you do suspect this, you may have to syringe it into their, into yes. their mouth. And the good thing is that it tastes good. So they're not going to be yeah. angry with you later uh, or afterwards. And what- maybe on principle, these are cats, but, but it won't be like when you're trying to syringe a bitter medication in, or, you know, heaven forbid, cherry flavored antibiotics. Exactly that. <laughs> so what kind of successes have you seen with cats? Oh gosh, using bone broth and switching diets in cats. I mean, even before I use much bone broth, just switching diets in cats makes such a huge difference and using the bone broth makes it happen a lot faster. So what I found in dogs, because there's a lot of dampness involved here and raw food tends, tends to be very damp, is that sometimes we have to do cooked food with dogs for a little while. Right. With cats, even the ones that have terrible inflammatory bowel disease and just so much dampness that, you know, their bellies are filling with fluid. A lot of times if we put them on raw food and then add the bone broth, they'll get better within a a course of a week sometimes if we've managed to pick the right protein. Um, And especially if prior to our diet change, they were eating kibble, you know, the the starches in there are pro-inflammatory for cats. And then just the the shape and the fact that it sits in the stomach for, you know, eight or 10 hours, these carnivores, their stomachs are designed to hold food for maybe an hour before all that food is in the intestines. So when we feed them kibble and it sits there for eight to 10 hours or longer, that in itself causes inflammation in the stomach, which then can trigger this whole cascade. So yeah, just just switching the diet makes a massive difference for cats in so many, so many different health problems, honestly. Most of the <laughs> I've health had problems cats, go away. Yeah. Yeah. I've had cats with problems where I didn't think it was likely to change with the food. It was something else we were dealing with, but we also needed to change the food. We changed the food and suddenly they were like, they were, you know, two years old again and everything was great. <laughs> I, what is it 
it like to have someone come in and learn that the that the kibble that they were feeding their cat is what's causing all of the problems because you know they they you know i love it because they're like oh, it's the most expensive kibble out I know, there yeah like, i get that one a lot yeah it's also the cool. but she likes it so much well i would like to eat potato chips every meal myself but i'd be in really poor health if i did that right so what do you do and and they see all of their pets problems go away by switching the diet well you know, once we can convince these people who, you know, they really liked kibble because they, they thought they picked the best one and maybe they did, but even the best kibble is not really great. Um, and they thought their cat really liked it. Well, once we can get them switched and they see the incredible health benefits, which they do almost hundred percent of the time, a lot of times I will, I will get these people who thought processed food was great and really were resistant to raw or fresh food who become these raw food zealots. And now they're out there <laughs> spreading the good news to everyone that you should really only feed your cats raw food. It's so, it, it's so true because, you know, every time you hear the problems with cats, it's all related to their food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure the vaccinations and all the other stuff like dogs, it's usually we are over vaccinating them. We're feeding the kibble. We're doing, but cats, man, Cats, I feel like diet is, you know, yeah. the biggest issue with them because they, because they're so different from dogs. They don't have a natural um, thirst. They don't go seek out water. They only get their hydration when they're eating food. And I look at all these things of how people have water, the water fountains and all the things to encourage them to drink when that's not what, that's not how they get their, their hydration. So mm-hmm. what is, um. I mean, I guess what food would be the most important thing for cats. Is that the same thing you would say for dogs? Diet? Oh, yeah. I would say that for everyone. You know, if, if you are eating a poor quality diet and then going to all of the best healthcare practitioners, getting all of the best herbs and body work and everything, you might be able to improve your health some, but your body only has what you've given it to work with. And what you've, if what you've given it for raw materials is poor quality food, then it's really never going to be able to create vibrant health out of that. So you really have to start from a good quality diet first and then, you know, work on adding body work, herbs, energy healing, you know, whatever else you're going to add. And then your body will be able to really do something with all of that. I, I love it. Let food be thy medicine. And as you can see, mm-hmm. my dogs agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find more information? Um, and are you available like consultation over the phone? Can someone who is listening get your, you know, book a consultation with you online? Yes, actually. Good. Um, and where right can now, they find you? My practice is so busy. I'm not taking more in-person clients, but I am still taking phone consults. Great. And um, you can find me at my, my website, which is healinghandspetvet.com. Or I'm also on Facebook, both both the practice, myself personally, and then I've got a Facebook group as well called Lady of the Beasts. And Erica Halla is the, the person who runs that. So if that's the group you found, that's my group. Cool. I don't and think I'm on, your, I'm on your group, so I'm going to join it. Yeah, it's really, I've actually recently shifted my group to be a little less about the medical questions and a little more about animal communication and um, shamanic work with animals. So that's awesome. super fun. Yeah. Ooh, but I still do have medical questions in that group from time to time. And 
of course, it's a place you can get in touch with me if you're looking for help with consultations and things like that. Well, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you today. And I, I really appreciate you giving our listeners and myself so much information that helps. Um, one, one, way, one more way for us to help our pets live long and healthy and naturally. So I really appreciate it. You're so, so welcome. Thank you. And I hope to talk to you again. It was wonderful having you on. I look forward to it. Good, thank you. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.